Well, good morning. So if you're regular at King's, you'll know that we've been, the past few months, have been going through the Beatitudes. And today, we're on the penultimate one of these eight Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Now, I don't know about you, I've found, and I've always found, and I found this series, I find the Beatitudes really challenging and soul-searching. Um, and I've been pondering and, and just considering the order that Jesus um, makes these statements about blessed are. And, you know, I can't believe that Jesus Christ, the best orator, preacher, teacher that's ever lived, and whose words 2,000 years later are transforming lives, I can't believe he just picked them randomly and thought, oh, I'll add this one in, and I'll add this one in, and oh, I just, oh, I've forgotten this one, I'll put this one here. And I don't fully know, but I, I, I'm quite certain that there was a reason why he puts them in this order. And there are differing thoughts. I've been trying to do some research. I thought, why has he put them in this order? And there are differing thoughts. And one of the thoughts is from Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he suggests that in order to get the best out of the Beatitudes and understand to the core of what Jesus is trying to say, you have to look at the first three and put them together. Blessed are the broken in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are the meek. Because in a way, if you're broken, if you're mourning something, if you are very realistic of your inadequacies, then it brings a desperation for God. And it brings a humbleness and a brokenness. And he says, and then comes the fourth one, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And so it's when we're broken and we're just desperate, saying, God, I need you, that then we can be filled. And when we are filled, we can be merciful. And when we are filled, as Graham brought last the other week, we can be pure in heart. One, because of what Jesus has done, but that single-mindedness, that single heart that just above everything, you are number one. And when we are filled, he says we can be peacemakers. But I guess the outcome is that all these Beatitudes, they only start from a place of desperation and a place where we then can be filled by the Spirit of God. Now, N.T. Wright, I like, I've been reading a bit about what he says about it, and I really like what he puts it, because he says you can, it can be interpreted wonderful news for the peacemakers. You will be called God's children, wonderful news for. And N.T. Wright says the idea of the blessing isn't so much of what God can do for you or for me. It's what God can do through us. But there's no doubt that these Beatitudes, if we're honest, they test us, don't they? And they call, well, they've caused me and they caused me to examine myself. And we've heard it said from the beginning that there are eight keys to a blessed and Macarius life. And it's Jesus, God, inviting us to his upside down kingdom. Because all these Beatitudes it's like he's saying, I'm looking to the marginalised in society. Those who are really mourning, 
and they're overlooked, there's room in my kingdom for you. And those who are, are really broken and everybody just ignores, there's room in my kingdom for you too. And it just brings the whole fact of Jesus' kingdom is totally opposite to everything that this world says. All this, you know, push yourself forward. Be the best you can be. Walk over everybody and get there. Get a good career. Get a lot of money. And I'm not saying some of these things aren't, haven't got a place. But Jesus is saying, you know, if you're desperate, if, you, if you're desperate and crying out for me, if you recognize where you are, there's room in my kingdom. So it's really kind of, it's fascinated me. And in fact, I don't think it's God's upside down kingdom. I think it's God's right way up kingdom as he intended from the beginning. So going back to mine, in Matthew 5 verse 9, Wright interprets it like this. Wonderful news for the peacemakers. You'll be called God's children. And you know, if you love Jesus this morning, peacemaking, whether you like it or not, it's part of God's family business. It's part of what he calls his people to be. So I want us for a minute to think, what are peacemakers? Now, it's very interesting. He doesn't say peacekeepers, isn't it? We know that this is part of the Sermon on the Mount, and it says there was a large crowd, and Jesus went up on a mountain with his disciples. And you know, the ordinary Jews were trying to be peace. They had to be peacekeepers living in a Roman society. But Jesus is not talking about peacekeepers. So let's just have a look for a minute about the difference. So a peacekeeper. Well, a peacekeeper, I think, is somebody who has a natural disposition, an easygoing person. Yeah, I'm fine. I'll fall in with that. I'll do that. That's, that's fine. And actually, in many ways, peacekeepers are great people to be around because you never have any aggravation. It's, you know, it, it's, it's great in some ways. Peacekeepers are people who want peace at any price. Anything to avoid conflict and trouble. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't like conflict. <laughs> I don't like trouble. I think you'd be a bit odd if you did. Sorry, but I do. But a peacekeeper is like, oh, I'll avoid that at all cost. And yet, if we're honest... Because we live in a broken world, there will always be conflict. And I remember a few years ago, um, a young person saying to me, and they asked me a very direct question, and they said, and it was something very personal, and they said, I'm doing this, what do you think? And in my head, I'm thinking, no. <laughs> so I, I said, I want to know what you think. So I I smiled and I thought, I want to be loving. I want to be gracious. I want to win this person. And I said, what do you think Jesus thinks? And they said, well, I don't know. I said, well, shall we have a look in his word, what he might have to say about it? And let's, let's have a think what he has to think, what he thinks about it. And I had to have a very 
honest, loving conversation. And if I'm honest, it was difficult because I knew that what I had to say was right, but I knew that what I had to say was not popular and it did cause conflict. And for a little while, I certainly was not the best thing since sliced bread with that person. <laughs> so peacekeeping is peace at any price. A peacekeeper is an appeaser, someone who soothes the waters. Now, most of you know that we have three boys, and for a long time, they were at home, which was wonderful. You know, we're, we're, I think we're going to think a lot of our family, family's very precious. And um, in fact, but they were all in the 20s. David was 30 before he left. Now, you can imagine Three teenage boys, lots of testosterone, one dad. <laughs> Three adult men, plus another adult man, four men, with a lot of opinion and a lot to say, and one woman. Guess who was the appeaser? <laughs> Guess what happened? In the appeasing, I never won, never pleased everybody. Peacekeepers, they're appeasers, but they don't really gain anything. So what is a peacekeeper? A peacemaker, sorry. A peacemaker, I believe, is someone who desires peace, real peace. And they'll do everything to produce peace and maintain peace. In the Amplified Version, it says, blessed are the peacemakers, those who make peace and maintain peace. They're not quarrelsome. They don't go out for trouble. They don't go out for an argument. They don't have to always be right. They don't have to have the last say. They don't have to have their opinion. They're not out for trouble and conflict, they're out to bring peace. However, peacemakers don't deliberately go for conflict, but they recognize sometimes, as I said earlier, difficult things have to be said. And in Matthew 10, verse 34, although Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, in there he says, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. So here's the irony of this right-side-up kingdom, that sometimes being a peacemaker, although that isn't your heart, you bring conflict. For instance, if you love Jesus and your family don't, and you want to make a stand, that might well come with a cost. As I, you know, when I was asked, somebody asked me on their, my honest opinion. But ultimately... Peacemakers, their main concern and drive is that they help to see people and bring people to peace with God. The word that Matthew uses, the Greek word, and I'm not even going to pronounce it because I'm not a Greek scholar, but it's not a word that means peace at no cost. It's a word actually that was used for force, that he used, leaders used for forceful establishment to maintain peace. And if we look at history, in the 3,421 years of recorded history, do you know how many years of peace there's actually been? 268. In 3,421 years. And we only need to look, don't we, on our tellies, on our phones, in our papers, in our workplaces, places, in our families. And we need peace. Peace is just something so massive. 
Being a peacemaker is about participating in bringing broken things together that belong together. You know, God's heart and intention was not that people were broken. In the garden when he created Adam and Eve, it was for fellowship and communion and oneness. Brokenness and division is not God's heart. And so he sent Jesus to secure that peace and make a way for that brokenness to be mended. And you know what? He wants to share his peace and he wants us to be peacemakers. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful are the feet upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You know, God celebrates those who proactively seek to make peace. And as part of his kingdom people, it's part of who we're called to be and what he wants to do within us and through us. But you know what? I love how Charles Price puts it. Because when you talk about peace and you look at the world, there's so much strife, isn't there? Now, we can, we can say, well, it's that, you know, there's that horrendous leader in such a country and there's that dictatorship here. And that might be right. But then you can look in our country and you can say, well, it's the government's fault. And I'm not being political here at all. Or you can say it's the opposition's fault or it's the system. And they all might have a point. But let's bring it a little bit further back, right to reality. I think, and I really believe, that King's Church is a great place to be. I believe it's we're a family church who love Jesus and love one another. But you know what? Here's, here's the, th the, th the thing. It's not a perfect church. And I've got a reason to tell you why it's not a perfect church. It's because I'm in it and I'm not perfect. And some of this selfishness and greed and jealousy and pride that we see and we say, well, that's why it's because of all this stuff. That's why we've no peace. It's in me. And I've got another spoiler. It might be in David too. <laughs> and here's another. It's even in Andrew. And he's smiling at me, bless him. <laughs> and it's in John. And it's in each one of you lovely people. Because we want to do the right thing, but we can't help ourselves, can we? And you know, the Bible calls it sin. Because the fact is, you and I, at the heart of us, it's about me. And that robs us of peace. And Jesus says, don't put a plaster on it and call, it peace, be a, call that a peacemaker. Let's go to the source. So he went to the source because as, as we'll be singing in a few weeks' time, he, beca he became flesh and blood. As Rachel and Frida brought, Emmanuel, God, came in human form. Why? To make a way for peace, for the muck that's in me and you and I, for the muck that causes the strife. And as we know, he came as a baby and he died on a cross and it was his blood that brought, the, brought real peace. 
And that's what peacemakers, where it starts. You know what people need more than anything? You know what peace people need? They need to know peace with God. They can't always nail what it is, but they know there's something missing in here. And you know, a famous actor died recently, didn't he? And he said he tried to fill it with everything. And he soon realized that all that Hollywood offers, it doesn't fill you. And you can look for a substitute. You can look for substance abuse. You can look for life coaching. You can look for lots of different things. And they might be really good, but they won't fill you. Because you have to go to the source. And the source is the Prince of Peace. And people need to know the peace of God. And then they need to know peace with each other. You know, and I think we can, we can get very glamorous and very technical and very educated and we can wrap it all up. But at the end of the day, to me, it's about loving Jesus and loving people and knowing peace with God. And then seeking to be peacemakers and carry his peace. So we're going to look quite quickly. First of all, we're going to look. If we're talking about peacemakers, and this might seem fundamental, we need to ask the question, have you got peace with God? Because we all need peace with God. Romans 5 verse 1 says this, Therefore, since we have justified, been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, the greatest need, as we've said, is that people know that peace with God. And Jesus has paid the price for your peace and my peace. But you know, we have to come to a point in our brokenness when we are mourning what a mess I am that we can come and say, thank you, Jesus, that you died on that cross that I should have died for, um, and that your blood can bring me peace. And you have to, we have to say that, really come before God and ask for forgiveness. But he promises then peace. He promises new life. You know, Jesus is the ultimate peacemaker. And we need peace with God. And then as Christians, and we've sung it this morning about God's shalom, we need to live in and experience his peace. Philippians 4 verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Sounds great, doesn't it? The reality is, sometimes it can be really hard. I've been chewing on this for, for weeks. And I can honestly say, as the weeks have come nearer, I've had more things knock me peace. And this week, I feel I've been on a I'm on a roller coaster. And I've been up, I've been down, I've been not knowing where I am. And my peace, as if just the peace of God in my life, I thought, Lord, where is it? I need your peace. And you might have a massive health challenge this morning. You might think, Jessica, it's okay for you to say that the peace of God can pass all understanding. You are not walking in my shoes. You might be facing heartbreak in your family. 
You might have massive financial challenges, and I am not disregarding anything. But you know, when Jesus died and bled on that cross and rose again, he did it for our peace. And it's to know that peace every day. He says, don't be anxious about anything, which if you're a worrier like me, that's really hard. But in everything, with prayer and supplication, bring your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all human understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And I really believe the enemy just is out to rob us our peace. And before we finish this morning, we're going to pray about this because I believe, I just sense there's many of us in this room that we just need to, God just wants to align us again and fill us with his peace. We need to be at peace with God. We need to be living and experiencing his peace. We need to live in peace with others. Hebrews 12, verse 14. This is a verse that has always fascinated me. I've never spoken on it, but it it fascinates me. I think one day it might might be something I really have to delve into. Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Romans 12, verse 18. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, Live at peace with everyone. And you know, again, it sounds great, but if we're honest, it's really hard, isn't it? Because, like I said earlier, you've got me to deal with, and you've got Andrew, and we all like, and everything's good until we don't see eye to eye, or we don't get our way, or we feel that our nose shut out, or somebody does something to annoy us, or whatever. And the enemy will seek to divide and bring that brokenness. But that is not God's intention. And this morning I want to say, you know, if if there are people that you are, are not at right with, it's time to bring it before God. And then it's time to, to look to sort it out as best you can. We need to be at peace with God. We need to be living in his peace. We need to live in peace with others because peacemakers bring peace to others. This is the amazing privilege, I believe, that we have as believers. Colossians 1 verse 20 says this, God was pleased to to have all his fullness dwell in him, that's Jesus, and through Jesus to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And as we said, Jesus was the ultimate peacemaker. He shed his blood for your peace and my peace. And he did that so that there was a way to reconcile man to God. And here's the great thing. As God's people, he invites you and I to be part of that reconciliation process. He invites us to share And point people to the one who can bring peace. It's a wonderful privilege. Whether it's in word, whether it's in deed, wherever God's placed you. But we are there to be signposts 
to the true peacemaker who can bring that peace. And you know, when you bring people to that place and they hear the message of true peace in Christ, there's one of two things that will happen. They will enter into that peace and accept it and it will transform the lives. Or they'll walk away, there'll be conflict and they won't like it. But at the end of the day, we're called to be true peacemakers, ones who point people to Jesus. Eugene Peterson in the message says, you're blessed when you can show people how to cooperate instead of compete or fight. That's when you discover who you really are and your place in God's family. There's lots of competition today, isn't there? There's, it's all over. It's in church. It's at work. It's in families. Well, I could have done a better job of that than they think they're good at that. Well, I don't think I'm as bad as her. Well, I've got to be the best. And yet, you know, that is not of God. God wants to bring reconciliation. God wants to bring peace at the cross. And the wonderful promise of this beatitude is, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I thought, I wonder why that is the promise that comes with this beatitude. And I think it's because when we're not thinking about me, and it's all about me, when we're thinking about others and signposting them to Jesus and helping them to find the one who is the true Prince of Peace, we're most Christ-like because we're reflecting him. We're not thinking about ourselves. We're part of his ministry of reconciliation. And you might feel like, well, it's, a little, it's only a little bit. But you know, every little bit, every person that you and I meet that's in our world, we have a marvellous opportunity, don't we? They are blessed, the peacemakers, because they're different from the rest of the world. They're blessed because they're God's children and they're pointing others to the, peace, the true peacemaker. So just in closing, I want us to look at practically what this looks like. And I've been thinking of some practical pointers of being a peacemaker. Now, you might be able to think of some more. So that's, but these are some that I've come up with. And I think the first one is control your tongue. You know, it's very easy. When we were, there were five of us in our house and probably five very opinionated people who all like having a bit to say, it was, you all wanted to jump in and have the first word and the last word. But you know, if everybody's talking, you don't learn anything, do you? But if you listen, you can learn a lot. When you talk and you open your mouth, Whatever comes out of it, if it's not helpful, unfortunately, it's out. And I don't know about you, but you can't eat your words back. There's been many times when I wished I could, but too late has been the cry. So 
Control your tongue. James says, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. You know, when something's said to you, it's a great temptation sometimes, isn't it, to just go and share it with somebody else. Or just have an opinion on it. But actually, that's not the purpose of it, is it? Now, I, rec- I understand there may be very rare occasions when something is shared that if it's a safeguarding issue, then you do. But you go and share it with the safeguarding officers. But apart from that, it's not. When somebody's talking to you, and I find this, I'm being honest here, I find this really difficult. If somebody's saying something and, and I don't like it and it's about me, I want to open my mouth. <laughs> In fact, I can become quite defensive. I can give you 101 reasons why you might be wrong. But that isn't being a peacemaker, is it? The temptation is to defend, but control your tongue. If somebody thinks somebody says something about your friend or someone you love, don't go and tell your friend, I think that's awful what they've said about you. Do you know they've said this? Because that isn't real friendship. <laughs> so I think the first one is control your tongue. The second one, I believe, is think. You know, when you're in the heat of an argument or if you're, if you're in a dispute with somebody or if somebody's voicing something and, then, and they, have a genuine, they might have a genuine reason of what they're saying, before you come to a conclusion of what you're going to do, think. And I believe, think of it in the light of the gospel. Think of it in the light of Jesus. What would Jesus do? What does Jesus think about this? You know, we can so easily get ourselves in a mess, can't we? Because we think about what we think and what, you know, what, what, what our opinion is. But there might be greater implications. What are the implications about other people in this? What are the implications to your friend, to your family, to your church? Think. What does Jesus feel about this? What are you saying about this, Lord? The third one, I believe, is take the initiative to make peace. You know, sometimes you can think, well, I'm not making the peace. I've done, I've done nothing wrong. Or why should it? It's always me. But you know what? Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. Be the bigger person. Even if you don't think you've done wrong, be the bigger person. Get over yourself. Get over yourself, Jessica. Get over your pride. But make every effort to make peace. Be vulnerable. Be loving. Seek for reconciliation. Control your tongue. Think. Take the initiative to make peace. What about this one? Be impartial and don't be touchy. That's really hard, isn't it? Because if we're honest, we all have opinions. And sometimes you can be in a situation, maybe trying to help two people. And, and I was recently, and if I'm honest, I thought one person, I, I, if in my heart of hearts, I thought that person was probably, I, I got more sympathy with that person. But I had to like, look, no, I've got to be impartial here. 
This other person has a, feels something. Why do they feel it? You know, let's look at this. Be impartial. Because if you're not impartial, then there's going to be a real struggle for reconciliation. And finally, be a bridge builder. Because I think peacemakers are bridge builders. They're helping. You know, part of what God is calling us to do is to help others to lead them to the Savior who can give them peace, to signpost them, to bring them, to introduce them to Jesus. That is the best thing we can ever do, isn't it? And we can be part of the bridge. I know Jesus is the one who does the reconciling, but we can introduce them, we can walk with them, we can bring them to that place. Also, sometimes we have to make peace with others. Let's be the bridge builder. You know, if you're struggling this morning and there's, there's, a, there's a gulf or there's somebody that you know that isn't, things are not great, I want to encourage us. Let's seek to be the bridge builder. Maybe if you know other people who need reconciliation, let's, you know, maybe God wants you to sit down and be that impartial person to help to bring those, that broken relationship back together again. It's a wonderful privilege, you know, to be a bridge builder. And then I thought about bridges. I thought, oh, hang on a minute, they get walked on. I don't ever want to be a bridge builder, actually. <laughs> but they do, don't they? Bridge builders get you from one place to another. But you don't always recognise that you've walked over the bridge. And sometimes being a bridge builder, you can be misunderstood, you can be misrepresented, you can be misquoted, you can be ignored. It can be all kinds of things. But at the end of the day, this right-side-up kingdom isn't about me. It's about seeing more of his kingdom in our lives and in this community and beyond, isn't it? It's about seeing more of Jesus. And he calls us into that. A peacemaker is someone who is just so ready to humble themselves and do anything and everything to see more of Jesus and his glory and his kingdom. And I feel humbled by that because if I'm honest, that so often is not who I am. I want to be. But as I said before, I have this war within me like we all do. Because war came from Satan, the devil, sin, man, but it's not of God. But the Prince of Peace wants to bring peace. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. And I guess we can all say, yeah, and it's, please get me, it's right. We need to pray for the peace in the world massively. We need to pray for peace in our country. But, you know, in some ways, that can be easier than being the peacemaker right in our world now. With our own family, with our own workplace, with that person that really winds you up or whatever. But 
that's where God's, you know, it's great to have big dreams, but I believe God says, start where you are now. And so I believe God calls us to be peacemakers. But I believe this morning that there are some of us maybe who don't even know what peace with God is. Maybe there are some of us that do know what peace with God is, but for lots of genuine reasons just need to receive that peace again. Maybe there are some of us who need to make peace with each other or people outside of here. So I'm just going to invite you to just stand for a moment and we're just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. If you're able, that is. Jesus, we're just so challenged to the core by your right side up kingdom. And we just recognize, Lord, it's nothing that we can manufacture. It's just totally alien to us. But we're just desperate for you. And desperate to reflect you more, reflect you, Jesus, in this world that we live in. to be bringers of peace, to be that person when they walk in, you walk in the office tomorrow morning, people say, I don't know what it is about her, but there's something different. She just brings a peace. When you're at the school gates and other mums just see the difference. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come this morning. Lord, I just, I really believe there's many of us in this room that just need to know your peace. That peace that passes all understanding. That peace that says, I will keep in perfect peace all those whose minds are stayed on thee. And I pray, Lord, for your peace, Lord. And I, I just pray, I just ask now, I want, if that's you, just put your hand up and let, let's just ask the Holy Spirit to come right now. Thank you, Lord. Just bring that peace. And I believe the Holy Spirit as well, but it's just prompting some of us of being a peacemaker, being a reconciler. And maybe there are people that we need to be reconciled to. And maybe there are people that we can help reconcile to others so holy spirit we just pray come right now come holy spirit break our hearts lord for what breaks yours break our hearts lord to be bridge builders that do get walked over but it's about you, Jesus, and your kingdom. And we just want to see more of your kingdom. We want to see more lives come to know that peace that passes all understanding. We want to see that peace in our families, in our 
workplaces. Lord, we want to be people that bring good news of peace, that are proactive in just bringing your peace, Jesus. And so we just, we thank you, Lord, that you are here and you're equipping us and your peace is falling. And we pray, Lord, that as we, as we leave this place, nothing will rob us of your peace. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. And I just want to say, if you, you don't know that peace with God yet, and you want to know more, or you, want, you just want to sit down and, and talk, don't leave without talking to whoever you've come with. You know, if you particularly want prayer on something, either grab who you're with or come and see one of the leaders or your growth group leader. But, you know, the peaceful are the powerful. And if we're going to be peacemakers, we've got to know that peace of God, first and foremost, before we can walk out and be those peacemakers.